welcome to the Big Kids Book Club. A podcast about all things fictional, from middle grade to young adult. So sit back, relax and enjoy the show. Hey, 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 welcome back to another episode of the Big Kids Book Club. My name is Marcus and I'm your host. And joining me today, we have illustrator turned author. You might recognize more of her work from her beautiful covers of House of Hidden Wonders, The Midnight Hour or Malice in Underland. It's Hannah Peck. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. That was such a lovely intro. Very flattering. It's absolutely (laughs) worth it. Absolutely. Well, uh, you are brand new here to the book club and we'd like to get to know all our authors a little bit better. So do you want to tell Mm -hmm. us a little bit why you wanted to become an author and a small uh, portion of your sort of journey up to where you are now? Yeah, sure. So I have been a children's illustrator for about four or five years now. So I've kind of been in that space for a while. And I think it's interesting. You sort of spend so much time in other people's worlds that they've created. And I just thought, you know what, I've always done writing it's always been a part of my life so it seems like a really natural step um to sort of start creating those worlds myself and yeah inventing all the characters that you fit in them and um now did i i see read somewhere that you actually did english at uh, university so you've actually sort of started so I, I guess uh putting pen to page earlier on and it's now you're transitioning from the the illustrator role to the author illustrator is that right Mm, yeah yeah very much so yep so I did English and I think there was always a kind of you know I've always done artwork and drawing but I feel like stories and narrative has been a massive part of that so I very nearly went to art school and kind of at the last minute did English instead because I think you know there were slight worries about like what's going to happen if I do an art degree will anything happen (laughs) which obviously loads of things tend to happen when you do an art degree I think I was just quite young and um, yeah, didn't particularly like have a, understand the industry. So yeah, did English. Um, so kind of have really interestingly managed to sort of keep both of those threads going at the same time. And um, it's not a space that I necessarily thought I'd end up in, but I'm really happy to be here. And it's, it suits me really well, I think, in terms of just like doing both things that I really enjoy. Fantastic. And obviously, uh, coming over from the you've been in children's book as an illustrator, uh, it was mentioned earlier this year that Piccadilly Press had picked you up to get your writing debut. Uh, yes. What's the transition like? Was it just a conversation where you sort of brought it up when, hey, by the way, you know how I'm doing all these amazing uh, pieces of art for other people's book? I kind of have my own ideas. Or <laughs> how did that sort of come about? It's quite funny, isn't it? Because you imagine just being like, ta-da! And like, how is that received? And how does that happen? Yeah, the process is interesting. I like I'm lucky enough to have a an agent who I think was really aware that I have kind of always written and done those sorts of things and thought it was sort of feasible for me to try. So she was essentially like, you should, you know, have you ever thought about writing a picture book? So that's how Kate on the case kind of originally snuck onto the scene was I think like a small publisher sort of saying, has Hannah got any ideas for writing? My agent being like, oh, I'll ask her, like, maybe. And me being like, yes, I do. Um, so kind of like slightly by happenstance, but um, yeah, sorry, I'm losing my train of thought with this. But yeah, so it was a picture book and it was very close to, well, I say very close, I don't actually know. <laughs> That's what I was told. It might not have been the case at all. <laughs> but um, it was sort of doing the rounds. It was being shown to publishers. And this is in like 2017, so quite a long time ago. And 
yeah kind of sort of fizzled out there and yeah my agent was like why don't you try and age up it might sit really nicely in this kind of like first readers fiction place um I think they were like this is a really interesting world but almost because a picture book is so short and quite dense I think it would now I realize that I had could have so much more fun like fleshing things out in that fiction space more characters more dialogue that kind of thing yeah and then sort of wrote that and then we pitched it around and yes. lovely Piccadilly picked it up so very thankful to them yes so obviously it's interesting you say that because uh, Kate on the case obviously then the initial idea has sort of transversed to sort of like not genre but an age gap which is quite interesting sort of like the aging bit up um was mm. Kate's story the idea of this sort of like mystery on a train was that always the initial picture book Fred or has that sort of amalgamated from the idea of like I'm going to age this up I can put some more story behind it um, sure yeah so what's the uh, what was the sort of like I guess the the metamorphosis of picture book two I guess what we have at the moment which is this lovely absolutely gorgeous little thing Kate on the case thank you <laughs> thanks so much um yeah so the original picture book it was a poem so there's bits in the book which rhyme and I love a rhyme I don't care if it's unfashionable I think it's so much fun <laughs> and people always say that with rhyming you know it can almost take you off on one and you can kind of get lost and your plot goes left and it all gets a bit crazy but I actually think that that can be quite fun um, and it can kind of maybe surprise you and give you some food for thought but yeah there was always always a girl called Kate I don't think she necessarily had a sidekick at this point I feel like in picture books you don't really have the sidekick trope do you and she there's all these rumors that there's a tiger aboard everyone's panicking and she decides to go and figure out what's happening. And then this tiger has this sort of like massive backstory. So that was always there. But I think pushing it further into the mystery genre, things going missing, extra characters are kind of more of a villainous character. Those are all things that came in uh, later with the, the expanding it for the fiction genre, yeah. I have to agree with the, the rhyming because I absolutely loved Tiger's introduction. I thought he was brilliant. <laughs> I even love how he even points to it at some point. I think he says like, it's so tiresome to keep rhyming. And he says that in rhyme, which was just like. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. I feel like there's an element of self-awareness when you're writing these things. You're like, I have to let my readers know that I also know this is a bit ridiculous. <laughs> But it was really interesting to see the way that obviously uh, you mentioned some of the villainous characters there. And the one thing I really mm. picked up on when I was reading it was there seems to be um, this sort of, I'm not sure if there's an intentional moral here, but it definitely feels like there's a don't judge a book by its cover sort of thing going on. What with the uh, the initial sort of opinions Kate has upon some of the passengers on the train, you know, mm. and uh, the way they act and, <laughs> you know, Madame Maud, I love it. Such a sort of Cruella de Vil-esque character. Yeah. Um, but it was interesting to see, did you intentionally put that within the sort of threads of the book or was it just naturally, it's just, it happened that, oh, this is where the plot went. It's just, ta-da. Yeah, kind of a bit of both. I feel like without getting too deep about it, you kind of often end up writing something that you think is like totally unrelated to your life or your interests. And then you're like, oh, I might as well have just done some therapy. Like this is free therapy. So <laughs> I think, yeah, a hundred percent. It's something that I was very aware of when I was writing, whether or not it was kind of intentional from the beginning. I'm not quite sure. But yeah, I think especially when it comes to children, the idea of how like cultivating an imagination for other people's lives is really important. You know, that someone else's life might be totally different from yours, but they are happy, they're having a nice time, they have all these interesting things going on that are very different from your life. 
and I just thought yeah personally for me that was kind of something that I suppose I came to terms with around the time I was writing it so it kind of naturally just fell into place but yeah I love the idea that behind people's behaviors and behind um, things that we can perceive as rude or whatever it's probably not about us in the slightest and they probably just want to be a famous chef or something <laughs> yes well I absolutely loved it and the blend of artwork and words just goes together so nicely uh, it's obviously people are going to ask like what do you prefer what or what did you find easiest was writing difficult change from like years of uh, illustrating or did you actually still find the illustrations accompanying your novel this time to be a bit tricky I feel like I have a really fluctuating relationship with both of them I really like to sort of in the early planning stages do both at the same time so I'll often sketch characters and sort of maybe do some dialogue next to them and I think that really helps to develop both at the same time um, and it's quite like an enmeshed thing. Um, I find writing obviously just like quicker more direct and I think with illustration you know you can go through so many drafts and roughs and that kind of thing whereas with writing I often feel like I'm kind of doing that as I go along um, but yeah it was really important for me I think when I was young and the thing I loved about this age range of books was the amount of detail and you know the maps and the little hidden clues and the objects and the little funny expressions all those things that just made something feel so like handcrafted um, like the little scribbles in the margins all those kind of things I was really keen to or, or even just like a, a book in a book you know so Kate has her special correspondent manual which is teaching her how to you know be a special correspondent and um, report on stories so it's really important I think to have those kind of books within a book or a map within a book that kind of thing um, to sort of really draw the words and the pictures together. Yeah I did like the idea of the, like the dossier inside where she's sort of following is it Christina Rodriguez's? Um, Catherine yeah. Catherine, Catherine Rodriguez. Rodriguez yeah. um, and then of course there's also like the sketch of the train and where she's mapping out like oh where do we go where the thing's gone missing it is mm. it's delightful and obviously you have a whole host of characters I wonder uh, do you have a particular character you enjoyed most uh, either doodling or um, actually just bringing to life? That's a really interesting one. So in terms of drawing, who did I like to draw the most? I think a bit left field, but there's the character of Simon, who is the conductor in training of the train. And I think there's this kind of running gag of like, who's driving this train? <laughs> He's a bit bad at his job. He's very clumsy. He's a bit lanky. His limbs get everywhere. He trips over himself. And I think I've never really used like physical humor in drawing before and it was really fun to sort of yeah um draw him looking shocked and and this quite slapstick kind of stuff <laughs> nice he was he was hilarious at times uh bless him yeah you do wonder how he's he's kept the job for so long uh <laughs> Uh, but I'm, I mean my favorite I loved Rue because he's just this adorable little mouse so uh, sweet yeah I think will be very popular um and obviously, I hope it is going to be popular because I read somewhere that this is a free book deal with Piccadilly. Uh, I don't know if you can tell us anything more about maybe book two or three <laughs> uh, or whether you're still under like a hush hush clause yet. So I recently found out that I think the title of book two is like out on the Internet. So I'm very able to tell you that um, it is. The Call of the Silver Wibbler. So Kate on the case two, Call of the Silver Wibbler. And they will be, for some context there, because what is the Silver Wibbler? I don't even know. <laughs> um, Kate is going to be on a paddle steamboat 
going up the jungle. So we have a change in temperature, we have a change in the like lush scenery, and she's also still in like a steam vehicle, <laughs> which I think is really fun to have like a contained space for lots of different characters and lots of shenanigans aboard. So yeah, she's going to have some binoculars and some maps and some compasses, very adventure. Oh, exciting. Mm. Um, are you still like, is that still putting uh, pen to paper at the moment? Is that sort of being edited? Can you not say? <laughs> I feel like I'm so happy to talk about all of these things. It's just the higher ups that oh, I have no idea what they want me to say or not. But um, I have done the first draft and pictures are happening. So it's kind of all coming together at this point. I've just done a cover. Actually, this week I've just been doing the cover. So yeah, it's all coming together. Hopefully the cover will be up soon, I think. Can I ask if it's if it's weird? Obviously, I'm guessing when you're an illustrator and you get commissioned to do a piece, like I don't know how much you put into like uh, finding out about uh, the, the story itself when you're creating covers or uh, inner art uh, for the actual piece. Mm. When you're doing your one, obviously the story's all up in your head. So you know the characters, you kind of know, oh, I kind of want the jungle to look like this and I want the steamboat mm. to look like this. It's like, how much wiggle room do you have to play with and and how different is it coming and approaching it from your story rather than someone else's? It's really interesting. In terms of the process, I have felt like the freedom I've been given has been really incredible and I'm so grateful for it. I feel like this remote Piccadilly have just been like, yeah, this is a good idea, run with it, we trust you. And it's been incredible. They obviously have very talented like editors and designers that have been helping and, you know, helped to just like really finesse things and bring it together. But yeah, how does it differ from, I suppose when you are doing someone else's, you really have the responsibility um, of making someone else's story come to life. So you really want to get into their head and make sure that, you know, the dress that this character is in is appropriate for this historical time, stuff like this, that, you know, when you're doing it yourself, it's, you don't think about it, it's just happening. But of course, there's like an extra level of communication when it's someone else's. I see. Is, is it yeah. just interesting to hear, obviously, the differences having author mm. illustrators compared to just plain up authors? I know, uh, speaking with a couple of authors, uh, when they first see the cover of their book is always like a <gasps> sort of moment. Yeah. Whereas you, you're like, you're actually just making it. So you're sort of like, well, I'm drawing it. So I know you've almost like burst your the surprise for yourself <laughs> as your creator. I, I know exactly what you mean. I think for me, because it's always that moment when I see it in real life, that's the real moment, because I think you can design something on the screen or you can have all these different layers of something. And then as soon as you see it with like the foiling and the, you know, the barcode and all of the fancy bits, and it's just an actual thing. Like I got a, um, I think the first time I saw it, I actually got sent about like 30 copies. So I just opened this huge box and they were just all there. So it was quite overwhelming, but really, really lovely. That's, oh, yeah, one of the best bits. That is, well, it sounds amazing. Uh, this interview is going super amazing so quickly that actually we are rocketing towards uh, <laughs> the, the end, unfortunately. But that does mean we have got to competition time. Yes, lovely listeners, it's time for a competition. Uh, how can you win this week's competition? Well, listen up. So we are going to be giving away a copy of Kate on the Case uh, for one of you lovely listeners to get your hands on. To do that, you have to head over to our Twitter at Big Kids Book Club, all one long lovely word, and you're going to be using the hashtag KateComp. KateComp. And this week's quiz question is going to be, uh, obviously, uh, Hannah, breakfast is uh, an important part of the story, which I won't go on to spoil anymore, <laughs> but it gave me a brilliant idea for the quiz question, which is, what is your favourite breakfast dish yes we want to know uh, alongside the hashtag kate comp what is your favorite breakfast dish 
uh, and you could possibly get your hands on a copy of Kate on the Case. Hannah, what is your favourite breakfast dish, may I ask? Ooh, I'm definitely more of a savoury person, so I feel like this is the most millennial painful answer ever, but probably something to do with sourdough toast and eggs. <laughs> uh, well, obviously, sourdough, big boost. It's so good, yeah. yeah. I think, yeah, for me, uh, if it has bacon on it, I'm probably happy. <laughs> I don't mind what, <laughs> what format it might be. If there's bacon, I'm probably satisfied. It's probably going to be good Cereal and bacon. <sighs> Combo's endless. Uh, possibly uh, i mean <laughs> pancakes and bacon with a bit of syrup probably peak, that's the classic but um mm. i'm getting hungry now and it's very close to lunch so let's not talk about food too much but we, we want to know what your favorite breakfast dishes are hit us up with that and the hashtag cake comp to at big kids book club and you could be a lucky listener how does that sound hannah delightful i'm so pleased that these copies are being sent about and people are getting them in the post it's so exciting hey, very exciting and this has been incredibly exciting to meet you, get to know about your book. But unfortunately, we are at the end of today's interview. So all I have to say is thank you so much for taking some time out and chatting to me. Oh, not at all. It's been like such a pleasure. It's so nice to, yeah, just talk about it. It reminds me of like how great the process is as well and how fun it is to do. (laughs) Fantastic. Well, I don't want to let you disappear quite yet unless Mm -hmm. you let our listeners know how they can get hold of you. Is there a website or uh, some social media that they can track down you and your books? So the place where I sort of spend my most time, as it's a very visual medium, is Instagram. So there tend to be a lot of updates on there. Um, in terms of more professional things, there's my Bright page on the agency website. So that's got all of my picture book things. But yeah, in terms of the book, you can order it from Waterstones, Foils, Dawn, Amazon, if you want. But um, yeah, lots of places to find it. Fan. Fantastic. Well, this has been fantastic. Thank you once again, Hannah, for joining us on the show. And to thank you, you so lovely much. That's all right. Uh, you lovely listeners, thank you for sticking around. We hope you've enjoyed it. We've had a fun time. Um, but until next time, all I have to say to you is for you to take care, to stay safe, and most importantly, to keep on reading. <laughs> <laughs>